following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. We want to talk about the major contemporary ethical dilemmas. Um, so I'd like to address the Ashley Madison uh, issue that's been in the news and how that relates to Judaism and medical ethics, as we'll see. So. I hope it's not so is it, practical, is it, is so relevant. Is this an example of Jewish humor or what? No, this is, this is serious. So, um, this before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we need to all do tshuva, we gotta repent. So it's important to understand, um, I guess what we call how to battle our, our inner enemies. And I wanted to talk about that a little. It happens to be related to last week's Parsha. Um, and of course, as we know, it's been in the news a lot. So, so last week's parsha was Parshat Kiseitze. Mm -hmm. We all familiar, you're familiar with Ashley Madison, <coughs> personally. Yeah, I, I give. I, I only read about it. I'm not a donation. I give, give it, a donation. I give it. I give a talk each Monday about the parsha for the week. I'm talking about Ashley Madison, not the parsha. Oh, no, I never heard of Ashley Madison. I had to look it up and see what what was it all about. It's a website where adulterers put their experience yeah, of adultery. Uh, that's what I found. Out. I, was it just adulterers or adulteresses too? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. It's a, that's a good part of the question um, because they they found the numbers as we'll see. There were 31 million users, and of those 31, 5 million were female. Uh. So, okay. and they well, say a lot of those busy. were fake accounts. So, also, were these? Were these so I mean, because I really kind of just roughly looked at. Were they, was this a hookup spot, or was this you got on and you told your little story? No, the point is to facilitate, to help you um, commit adultery. The goal was to hook you up with someone. So in other words, I want to meet a girl. I'm married. I want to meet somebody right. else, not some a woman, not my wife. I go to right. Ashley exactly. Madison. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's like a matchmaking site for adulterers. Adulterers and adulterers. Which know that the Supreme Court will say Thirty-one million users. Which know that the Supreme Court will say is legal, and soon it'll be, <laughs> be a Supreme Court decision. and marrying two okay, people so, at the same time. So, so uh, if you look at the numbers that they were reporting, thirty-one million users. Ten percent of the country. So there, there was Unique every users single. Unique users or clicks. No, thirty-one. Members, Mem million wow. members, thirty-one million members across the world, not just the United States. There was every single. I looked up. They reported by zip code. Every single zip code was in there, except three in the United States, except three zip codes. Really, um, Lakewood. Two in Alaska. <laughs> no, two in Alaska and one in Alabama. I think that had the population like two hundred. Otherwise, every single zip code was in there. How about other countries? So they found, supposedly they found uh, two MKs from the Knesset were in there, there were, there were congressmen, I mean, Washington, D.C., by the way, had the highest amount of members of any zip code. surprise. Uh, well, any zip one, one paragraph so everyone knows on the same page. Yeah. It says, uh, yeah. Ashley Madison is a Canadian-based online dating service and social networking service marketed to people who are married or in a committed relationship. Its slogan is, life is short, have an affair. The website was launched in 2001. The name of the site was created from two popular female names, Ashley and Madison. And it was just recently hacked. That's why it's been in the news. Right, so it was hacked. Is the advertiser the one who catered the affairs? What's that? Are the advertiser the one who catered the affairs? Anyway, so last week's Pasha, um, it's very related to this. I'm going to see fascinating stuff. So last week's Pasha begins with the famous mitzvah. 
um, known as the mitzvah of Yifat Tor. Um, Yifat Tor, literally translated, literally the words mean a, Yifat means beautiful, um, Tor of form. You see, you see a woman of beautiful form. That's the name of the mitzvah. It's a nice name for a mitzvah. Okay, so um, so what does the Torah say? The Torah, this is talking about in the context of war. Okay, the, the name of the parsha is Parshat Kiseitze La Milchama. You went you went out to war with your enemies. Right. Um, and uh, you know we can't wait. We can't wait. Good morning. Good morning. Torah doesn't wait. We're talking about Ashley Madison. You know what that is? Yeah, they found my name on it. What are you talking about? Go ahead. So, uh, so the Torah says very clearly. So it's in the context of war. Again, it's a continuation of the before that, which is you have to make peace with your enemies. Um, but in any case, the Torah does condone war in many instances. Again, there has to be a, a, at least an attempt, or many attempts on peace with the enemy. But once uh, <coughs> there is war, there's the, the realities of war. So the parsha begins with a, a, a fascinating halacha, um, seemingly making allowances for, a, for having a relationship with a non-Jewish woman, married or single, according to most. Um, according to most um, commentaries. So let's read it, and again, we'll put it into context. So on the surface, it sounds very, uh, maybe even sexist. There are women here they might be offended. Um, but as we'll see in the context, it actually is a fascinating um, law protecting women of the time. So, so the Torah goes on to say, When you go out to war against your enemies, and God places, will deliver them into your hands, which is another basic Jewish concept, which is a we wage war, even though we might have the best air force and the best tanks and the best technology um, and a nuclear weapon. But at the end of the day, it's God who decides who wins the war. So the Torah says, God will give the enemies into your hands. And the reality of war is there's captives. So most times the combatants are killed, but the residents of the land, the non-combatants, are taken as captive um, during the war. Right? And um, so it says that's the reality of war. So captives will be taken. And the Torah continues, and you will see in captivity, a woman of beautiful form. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way of saying... Uh, Hari. Right. Hari. Mm-hmm. right, the Torah doesn't have that. There's no word for that. Hebrew. Pretty close. There is a matter of Hebrew, but not in. Um, so, so the Torah right, says, you'll see a woman of beautiful form. And you will desire her. Says the Torah. So you can't, if you desire her, you can't, as other armies do, and as has been historical throughout the ages, and including today, as we see ISIS. I don't know if you read uh, ISIS, um, I subscribed to their newsletter, and if, like this is like a month ago. They, uh, I don't I really don't. But so it was in the news that they published a whole in their magazine explaining why it's a mitzvah to rape any non-Muslim woman during wartime. So it's actually an obligation. With head or explained. without head. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's the Ashley Muhammad site. So yeah. they, they uh, <laughs> it's actually an obligatory. They explain why, and as you, and as if you've been reading the news lately, they have something like over eight thousand. Um, women captive, uh, Yazidi specifically from one, com- most of them, many of them from one community in in Western Iraq, Northern Iraq. The Yazidis, I think the Yazidis, Yazidis, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. 
and they actually sell them after <coughs> they rape them. They sell them as sex slaves. Um, so they're sold to all over the world, to Libya, to Turkey, to wherever. Um, so actually, a beautiful story was last. Uh, this is two weeks ago. You can look it up. There was a a Orthodox guy with a beard, yarmulke from Montreal. Did you see the story? Guy from Montreal who went ahead and he bought two thousand women just to free them. Really? It's in the news. Beautiful story. Guy with a kippah. He, he negotiated with a middleman with ISIS. He bought two thousand women just to, as a act of kindness. It's a beautiful story. Um, so that, that was in the news. But the point is, so the Torah is that's ISIS. But unfortunately, you know, we like to think as ISIS is extreme. Clearly, but it's not just ISIS throughout it, the history and even our own. Um, great American army. Sometimes you always see them in the news. In Japan, there's rape, and they're always on trial. American soldiers for raping. The, that's yeah. non-wartime. Except for the fact stationed. that we, except for the fact that we prosecute those offenders. Yes, true. They, they are venerating the offenders. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. But the Canadi- point is, Canadian man dubbed Jewish Schindler for saving Yazidi sex slaves from ISIS. How many? He did paid a thousand to three thousand per slave, and wow. he got uh, 130 girls and women. Mm. That's it. Oh, I thought it was much more. Where did he take delivery of them? <laughs> no, he didn't take delivery, just they freed them. I, I, I mean, yeah, but you, you can't really trust them. He united them with their families. He tried to get you them united. You can't really trust them to say, okay, you can leave now. No, right. so they, they had buses. Uh, hey, you have to read the story, but it's a fa- beautiful story. It shows a picture of the guy. Yeah. What's the I name of the... Uh, I will read that so later. What's the name of the... the so there are some good Jews out there once in a while. Um. There's his picture. He's with the Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who's very gung ho Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is an, instead of uh, it's a beautiful way to spend your money instead of yeah. giving it to right life, you know. To Except you're giving it to the uh, enemy who's going to commit more atrocities. Other, what? Except you're giving it to an enemy who's going to commit more atrocities with that's, the money. That's a good halacha question, which we're not going to get into today. But he started but, an uh, organization called Liberation of Christian Yazidi Children of Iraq. Yazidis are not Christian; they're their own thing. <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful, nice story. It's <coughs> Kiddush Hashem. The, the the point is, so here the, the Torah is saying, so you as a Jewish soldier can't, even if you desire to see a beautiful woman in captivity, which the norm is in our, in the army, your your there's rape and pillage. So, so uh, the Torah say no, not so fast. You desire, you can have her, but not just for Monday afternoon. You have to, you have to actually marry her. You want this woman, you can have her at the end of the day. As we'll see, there's a process, but you have to give her full-fledged um, rights of a wife. It means you have to whatever it means. You have to hire an AP's band. You have to have a smorgasbord. Take her on a cruise, whatever, whatever is included in a Especially Jewish wedding. Shave her head and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, that's the process before you marry her, mm-hmm. if you want to marry her. But but the point is, you can have her at the end of the day. But she has to be literally become your wife. And she can't be. Doesn't say her. anything about converting. No, there is. Well, the Torah doesn't say yeah. it explicitly, but the assumption is the Talmud assumes that you convert her. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you can have her, but you have to give her. All the rights and privileges of wife. Right. right. You mean you have to marry her? The only you way you can have her is her. with marriage. Yeah. Okay. No rape. No no freebies. So all right. Well. Okay. So so that's number one. The Torah then continues, um, but there's a process. Not so simple. Even marriage is not so simple. The the goal of the Torah is clearly to discourage this, mm-hmm. as we're going to see. So it says, what happens? Ve'isira simat shivya me'alav. You have to remove the clothes of her captivity from on her, meaning. Um, the, the kind of, at least Rashi explains, I think it's a Gemara, 
Medrash explains that the in those days the what the enemy part of the strategy of the enemy was they would send out young pretty women to entice the enemy soldiers. Um, that was part of the strategy. So they would all be dressed really pretty. So the Torah is saying, no, when you you got to take her. You can in captivity. But you have to remove her her nice clothing. And the Yashua Beisacha, you sit her in your home. For one month, you can't touch her. For one month, she cries about her father and mother. The Achar came Tavola. And after that month, um, sorry, I skipped a verse. Very important thing. It says, You should bring it to your home. The Gilchas Rosh, Shelley mentioned, you shave her head. Those days, that wasn't considered nice. Today is in style for some women. Right, Britney Spears. Those days, it was considered ugly. And Vatsatsi Parnay, you have to let her nails grow. Today, we have. It's also considered in our culture a nice thing. In those in those cultures, uh, long nails was considered ugly. So you, you know, it's basically you're intentionally allowing her to become ugly, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, the, again, because the goal of the Torah is for you not. At the end of the day, we discourage this. We make an allowance. At the end of the day, if you still insist, we allow you to marry her. But it's, we're not happy about. It. Matter of fact, the Gemara says the next mitzvah right after this, um, the next mitzvah mentioned in the parsha is Ben Sora Mora. Mm-hmm. The wayward son, the rebellious son. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, the Talmud explains what's the juxtaposition between these two mitzvahs is that if you do go through with this process and do end up marrying her, you're not going to be your kids are not going to exactly be the the ideal children. You're going to end up with a wayward son, etc. So that's the juxtaposition. So don't strongly discouraging this process. Um, so then goes on to say the Torah goes on to say you leave her for a month. And then after the month, if you still want her, after she has a shaven head, long nails, and sitting there crying for her parents for a month, then you can have a relationship with her. And she again, Torah stresses she has to become to you for a wife. And then the Torah, another separate mitzvah, the Torah says, Let's say after the month you came back to your Saturday, and you realize you don't want to get into, this is not a good thing, it's not a good place you want to go to. Um, and you decide you don't want her, so you say, okay, I'll give her to my friend, I'll, I'll sell her as a sex slave, I'll, I'll hire her as a maid. Says the Torah, no, that's prohibited. If you decide not to take her as a wife, you got to let her free. It's a love, it's a negative commandment in the Torah. You're not allowed to sell her for anything. We're not just talking about, it doesn't, I'm not even talking about a sex slave, just even as a servant, as a maid. You want to have a hired help in the house, you want to be the nanny, you can't even hire her as a babysitter. So you can't, you have to sell her, you have to release her as completely free. Bakesef, Lotim Karana Bakesef, says the Torah. You cannot sell her for any money. Suppose she wants to stay and work for you, which might not be totally unreasonable, because this kind of treatment must have been extraordinary at that mm-hmm. day and age. Right, so it doesn't discuss, listen, if you want to have, make a contractual relationship yeah. with her, that's something else. A normal that's no problem. employee-employee relationship doesn't seem, that the Torah doesn't, I'm assuming, doesn't object. It doesn't, it's telling you, you can't sell her off, meaning treat her right. like you own her you own her body and I'm going to sell it to the neighbor or to, to Libya any man that actually did this like would be like right below a saint or right up there with a saint mm-hmm. who, uh, who any man who behaved the way they're prescribing which in marrying her or no, no? but Releasing keeping her in her house for a month keeping her house shaving her watching her nails grow letting her start to smell and right. all that stuff yeah. mm-hmm. and then not raping her in particular after I mean you're, you're fighting with her kin who are your enemies they try to kill you you may have killed some right. of them that's, another, that's what I found fascinating this is the enemy it's not right. like we're talking about your, you know, your neighbor's daughter this is the enemy we're saying right. the enemy 
to try to kill you. You you took them captive. Right. This is how you, even the enemy have to treat in this fashion. Right. Imagine? That's why someone gets saved. This is why I, mean, why I say this people Wait, have this, a, this is not your enemy. This is a hottie. Yeah, yeah. It's, who's also Andrews? You came out to seduce the soldiers. Looking hot. You came out to seduce the soldiers. You're right. That's exactly <coughs> the point. <coughs> so I'm saying you. your emotions take the better of you, especially in wartime. Right. right. And you see, a, you see someone like that, you're gonna, we, you're gonna desire. So calm down. Chill out. Spoils of war. The Torah is saying, chill out and and let your emotions calm down, and then make rational decision whether you want to get into this relationship. It's never good to make a decision about relationships. In the heat of the moment. So does Talmud have any data on the, the way this worked out? Um, well, David, there is stories of, of the, they say Bathsheba. One of the one of David's wife was was a infactor. Had what had this criteria? I don't remember which one. Who was Avshalom's mother? I don't remember. Avshalom's mother, I think, was was Yeah, because Bathsheba was uh, one of his captain's wives, Uriah's wife. Yeah, that wasn't was someone's story. mother. Two of two of David's kids' mother was from Yifator. Really? So, uh, so, but the well, point being is, so that's so why Avshalom turned out the way Avshalom uh, turned out. That's of uh, course the mythology uh, there. But there's got to be some sociologic reason why you would keep a beautiful woman captive in your home. For what do you mean? So, well, tell you the reason is. Well, you let her get ugly, so you can calm get down your the, desires yeah. to get discourage no, no, the end I, result. I get that. I know that's a modern overlay on what's going on, but I'm not sure that's really what's going on. I wonder if it's an issue of her period to see whether she has a normal period, or if she's pregnant. Right, because if she doesn't have a period, then you can't actually procreate with her because right. she's probably pregnant yeah, already. This guy's not thinking procreation at this point. Uh, I don't I, think I understand that there's a modern overlay. No, not modern. I'm saying who which soldiers are you thinking I want to have children with? That's not what he's thinking. You see a pretty woman, you're not thinking procreation. Who's is thinking who thinks procreation? Is this no, we have somebody to think about who that. was taken? Yeah, this yeah, is war. This is a captive. Of yeah. war. A captive? But it doesn't say anything about whether the woman. Uh, yeah. That's what yeah. we already talked about. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't say anything about the woman's the captive's desires whether she wants to marry the guy. Right. So the assumption is, I don't, I didn't see anything about it, but the, I'm assuming marriage is a consensual relation. We can't have a marriage, forced marriage. There's no such thing in Judaism. Marriage has is not pakar. It means against someone's will. You There's can't marry else going two on parties. Here. It has to be two consenting adults to be a marriage. Even, even, that's in, what I'm even the captive. Yes. Well, you have to, in order to have a marriage, they're saying you have to marry her. Right. Marriage means she has to agree. If she doesn't agree, no. you can't force someone to accept your your marriage right. proposal. Um, right. That would be rape. That would be going back to rape. Or you go out in the desert and you have no way of so you're right. So yourself. that's a question. Meaning so it was protection I mean, of the woman. That's not exactly. Hundred percent. Many people I get mean, married because they want their green card, but it's consensual. Um, you're right. Well, even it's, if, it is, if it's protection of the woman, many people get married because they want they want the, the spouse's money. So that doesn't no. mean that doesn't make it not consensual. You just because no, you have ulterior motives in your marriage uh, proposal. Or consent doesn't make it non-consensual. Still consenting. The two choices are: you're going to starve to death, or you. I understand what you're saying, but it's still consensual. So I'm doing it for my benefit. The point is, you're right. It's the protection of the woman. In either case, take it to here. I either get have to go back to my country, or I marry this guy and get a green card. Is that any really different than modern women's perspective? Okay, let's let's stick to the topic here. We're the point. Is no the the sh the point is Mark? Listen, point is that 
there's there might be other stuff going on here, but on a simple level, just reading it as we're re- yeah, yeah. reading it, it's clearly the Torah is trying. There's two aspects here, which really only want to address one because we're again our topic is Ashley Madison, but but the the clearly there is a protection of the woman. Again, some someone might read this and say, "Wow, I, you know, let her take her captive, let her you know, let her marry her," but clearly, like like I think you're mentioning, is that there was if you if in this case probably her family was killed all the males in her family it's a time of war so not to pre- meaning just to let her go is not might not be such an option either in that sense she has no for a single woman at the time in an enemy territory somebody else might kill her right well we're yeah. what's going to happen to her so clearly the Torah is saying again the Torah is not condoning the Torah doesn't want them it discourages the marriage at the end of the day because she's not Jewish um, and it's based on on just uh, a sexual attraction, a physical attraction, emotions, as opposed to other things which should be part of a relationship. Um, so therefore, the Torah strongly discourages it. But at the end of the day, the, the other aspect is the number one is clearly it's a protection of the woman. Again, even an enemy, um, someone from the enemy, which is a beautiful concept, in, especially in the context of those historical times, and specifically what we see what's going on today with ISIS and, and other. There are other Croatia and other armies. When God says you have to kill time. all the men, all the women, yeah. all that's, the that's animals. Amalek. That's only Amalek. Right. It's the only one this that is says a striking that. contrast to that. No, so the only one that that's an obligation is Amalek, which is actually the end of this week's parasha, um, to, to kill men, women, children. That's, but otherwise, is only with Amalek, and that's a whole separate uh, right. issue, which we'll talk about. This is a very striking that's contrast a racism to Amalek. Yes. So, was so this still within the period of time when you were only allowed to have four wives, or could you have endless wives? Endless. And, uh, no, I don't know when there was a period for kings. Not to mention Pasha mentions oh, yeah. that's what yeah. I meant. a king like, can only have up to eighteen wives. Well, let's not talk about King Solomon, but uh, um, but um, but a regular person there's no okay. limit. Only a king is up. limited. David had six children by six different wives, four by Bathsheba and then nine others by concubines and various women. But this is specifically not a concubine. This is taking her on as, as a, a wife. wife. Full-fledged wife, yeah. But you're allowed to have a lot of wives as well. It's not that like... As you can afford. Yeah, but not non-Jewish wives. What's that? Not non-Jewish not, wives. No, and not married. She don't might be married also, but it's another thing. have to right. convert. She might have no. to convert. Yeah. Yes, yes but no. So, so, so that would that not be a non-Jewish wife. Normally, we don't allow she conversion for just for marriage. Yeah, what if what? she wasn't a virgin? What if she's been married? And, so and she's not worth as much money. What's the difference that between a wife and a concubine? Yeah, we're not getting, getting off tangent. I mean, really? We're getting off tangent. It's off topic. Here. So, so the, the question that's that uh, that's bothering me as a rabbi Tell me. is is why even make this allowance? I mean, why is the Torah? The Torah could have just said, Not "Don't allowed. touch her." Finished. Right. Why is the Torah saying you what you desire? You see a beautiful woman because in water. Torah talks about Go men. ahead, and then you, you know there's a process, and then you can end up marrying her, but. By, but uh, right, trying to discourage us. If we don't, we're not happy about it. If God didn't want you to marry this woman, so he should have just said, "Finished. There's no marriage." There's many. It's a lot of prohibitions in the Torah. Why all of a sudden here? Right, the Torah doesn't say, you know, you see a good cheeseburger and you really want it. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, there's oh, a process. Put the cheeseburger in your fridge for a month, I think and then so after a month, if you still want it with the mold on, you could eat. Sex is so powerful. Oh. 
They, they clear, it, when someone has an addiction, like you tell them, you can smoke, but you can only smoke in the garage, and you have to hide the nicotine thing underneath the canister, and you have to do all these various things to get to it, so it, it becomes a hardship to do it. This is a hardship for a guy who basically just wants to have sex with this beautiful woman. You're saying, uh... Sorry, you gotta shave her head, make her look ugly, keep her in your house for a month, and then, right, cool down, and then see what happens. It's That's a, like. It's a pathway. It's really very similar to the rabbinical ruling about, yes, if you need a cigarette before the operation, I guess you can have a cigarette. Yeah, one positive. It's, it's a pathway no, to keep it That's the within. Peace. The question is the cigarette is where the question is that there's, a, there's an end goal of Pikoch Nefesh saving a life, and then. Question is, how do we make allowances to get to that? How much do we move the line to get okay. to that end goal? Here, it's prohibited. Marrying a, a non-Jewish woman is prohibited. It's not Maybe a question. The, end goal right, the Torah prohibits. One time we finish my point. So now all of a sudden, Torah says, "What? But you know, we're going to make you. We're going to bend the rules for you." Maybe it's a bend you know, rule because month, you're a sol- he's a soldier risking his life in battle. He's under. He's under the. the he, he's under the circumstances of the. The, 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 the you say we're making meaning we're nice to soldiers, the vets. We're making a, yeah. we're making a uh, maybe, uh, okay, that's a good point. Uh, uh, accommodation uh. to soldiers. I apologize for coming late. And Please, so, not th- you're not so, this may be not relevant, but it seems to me, from the little that I've listened, that one of the uh, effects requiring this to be post the the the, the uh, requisite that the action be postponed is that what you also accomplish is you uh, provide the opening that the woman not be objectified, but during that period of time seen uh, as a human is, is, is seen as a human being and is uh, experienced. In a, a non-sexual way. In a more. hundred percent. That's clearly the goal of the Torah. So, so in a sense, this you know why why do you make this, you know, if you put a cheeseburger in a refrigerator, I'm gonna guess that in a month it'll look like a cheeseburger, <laughs> maybe right, a very dry they cheeseburger. They say but they say that if you take a McDonald's or Burger King and. They did experiments. You leave it outside the fridge. Right. I think it was for three weeks. And nothing it, changes. Nothing grows nothing on it. Nothing grows yeah. on it. Right. That's just probably it. no anyway. biological, no biologically <laughs> active right. stuff. Right. Chemicals. So, so my m- my point is, cheeseburger is going to stay a cheeseburger no matter how long it's in the refrigerator. But if you um, relate to someone initially in a As very a superficial way, or in a monolithic way. And you give yourself time to uh, learn Developing about that like person. Yes. That per- that person, your relationship with that person, must change, good or bad. Yeah. But it's going to expand. So, I think this pro this prohibition or this recognition of human nature allows people to become fully dimensional. And, I, and, I, and most I men totally will then agree. make a decision not I, to, No, I totally to agree. To but the whole reason why you have to have that whole prescribed recipe of what to do is because sex is so powerful. Yes. So that's right. what we get. Right. That's right. 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 Right.
Perhaps no more. That's what we had. Is this is not just sex. This is sex and violence combined, which is much more Maybe even more. Okay. Right. okay. And um, if so she cannot. The testosterone of anger sex and, he and war. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's all psychologically, this is pretty intense. Right. Mm -hmm. So it does I'm help sorry. make no, sure I like it. she doesn't get pregnant in that 30 days. Hey, that someone mentioned that before. That could be a side thing. Oh, well, but I mean, because then, then there's a real issue because you've got a child. They do, by the way, in halacha, it's a good point because they usually discuss when you marry a woman. They're, they're, let's say when I do a divorce, not, not, not when I get divorced, when I do officiate a divorce. So we tell the woman um, she can't marry for 90 days after the divorce. The right. reason being is because in case she's pregnant, we need to know who the daddy is. Um, so, so there has to be a 90-day break <laughs> between her you first husband and her next husband. So I've never, every time I've said this to women, they've said, oh, Rabbi, come on, are you kidding? <laughs> never. Uh, I'm not dating for another five years. And many times I get a phone call, you know, <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> like the, a month later, uh, Rabbi, were you serious when you said 90 days? The 30 days? So the point is, it's a valid point. So 30 days is not enough. No, to make that differentiation, you need it's 90 well, days at, at least a lot of Which negative. child it was. All right, well, we'll do a blow it in a week. You take somebody against their will, and then all of a sudden they would be pregnant in two weeks. I mean, that would be like rape. Yes, that's a good point. So, one thing we need to move on, a lot of material. So, Ashley Madison. Yeah, we're getting there. Some questions on hold, but I want to show you some fascinating Gemara, troubling Gemara in that I happened to learn last week. Um, I love those. So, Troubling. So, yeah. <laughs> so the Gemara and Chulun, the Chulun is uh, the Is this Listen what this. we're looking at? Yes, the okay. top paragraph. The top Listen paragraph. to this, Mark, Tractate Chulun deals with kosher laws. Happened to be studying it um, with a study partner. And this is at the end of the Tractate, so there's a whole chapter dealing with well, uh, cheeseburgers, meat and milk. As we know, meat and milk is prohibited in the Torah. Um, so the Torah, the Talmud poses a fascinating question. The Mishnah discusses what happens if you want to have an udder of a cow. Right. The udder, you want to eat an udder. Right. An udder has milk in it, right? Correct. But it's meat. So if you cook right. the udder with the milk, is that a is that a violation of meat and milk? Right. So we're not going to get into the halacha. It's a fascinating mm -hmm. question. The, the Talmud does permit it, at least biblically. As the Talmud says, as long as the milk was never extracted, it's fleshigs. The milk we have fleshig milk. The milk is considered meat because it's part of the animal. What, it's only after the milk is extracted that, it ha that, that we define it as milk. So as long as it's in the udder, you can cook the udder together. Don't try this at home. Um, it, meaning, meaning again, biblically, rabbinically, there might have been some issues, as usual. Rabbis cause problems. But, but, but uh, biblically speaking, it's not considered meat and milk. So then, after the, the Talmud discusses this halacha, it has a fascinating paragraph. Um, you know, from, excuse yes. me, Rabbi. Yes. That, that really also um, mirrors the status of fetus, that logic. Yes, to a certain extent, yes. No what? question. That the fetus is, as, as long as it's not, as long as it's in a woman, is part of the. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, so yes, so we're Possibly not going to get into the halachic criteria for udders, okay, but um, what is, what I want to focus on is the Gemara, immediately after that, the Gemara states, I hope I did the right thing, 
Yeah, so how come 109B? 109b3. So it says like this. It says Yalta, who was, I believe, the wife of Rav Nachman, um, who had just stated this law. Yeah, Rav Nachman still stated this law about the other. Says Yalta, his wife, to Rav Nachman. Michti, um, uh, let's see. Makes, she makes an amazing statement, this woman. She says like this. She says, anything that the Torah prohibited, any prohibition, and there's a lot of them, as we know. Um, um, there is there is a corresponding pleasure that you can get in this world, which is the same pleasure as that. Okay, so for example, the classical one as we're discussing here would be you want to <coughs> like a meat and milk taste. The Torah prohibits this pleasure of eating meat and milk together, but I'm I'm desperate to taste what it, to taste. It. So so therefore it says the udder with the milk. You want to taste what it, what it tastes like? Cooking meat and milk together, Parmesan chicken. You you can cook your <coughs> meat your udder. Right. with the milk inside and you'll have that same pleasure so what she's saying is she's making a statement she's going to give a list of them of pleasures whatever pleasure the Torah prohibited don't worry that same pleasure is you will you can find it somewhere else in a permitted form okay so now she goes on her list she says Asalan Rahmana sorry Asalan Dama for example the Torah prohibited blood that was two weeks ago the Torah says as Jews we can't eat blood as we know many cultures uh believe in that blood is uh, virility and fertility and many other good things and it's high high in iron um, so blood is a good thing I actually when I do my sometimes when I do my slaughtering so in the slaughterhouse they actually they sell you can buy literally pints of blood from the animals they sell it to well, what does people? one do with the pint uh, Asians are very into it Asians buy they cook with it they, cook, they do everything with it okay so Probably good um, so, uh, so it says blood is prohibited, but um, he gave us Aslan Dama, Sharlan Kavda. He forbade blood, but he gave us liver. Liver, basically, full of blood. is full of blood. <laughs> and it's right. impossible to remove the blood, Definitely. but chopped liver, as we know, is, a, is the well, optimum Jewish food. First, so that yeah, so we try to get out as much blood, but basically Come it's hard on. in blood. You, it's not blood. possible to get the blood. So the Torah is still permitted. Nida, the Torah prohibited um, having relations with a woman during her menstrual cycle, um, but it permitted uh, Dam Torah, which is um, there's certain uh, blood that comes out after after a woman gives birth, and that's called Dam Torah. That doesn't forbid the woman. Okay, it's called uh, pure blood. Okay, so whatever that means, and I'm not going to get into it. Um, Chelev behema, certain prohibited fats when you slaughter an even a kosher animal below the 13th rib, I believe it is. There's certain fats that have to be trimmed out, they're not considered kosher. But chelev chaya, but that same, you want to taste what that pleasure, the pleasure of that fat. So that same fat is permitted on a non domesticated animal such as a deer. So if you slaughter a deer, you can eat that fat, is not prohibited. So it's the same fats below. If you want to taste what that fat tastes Chazir. You want to taste like what a pork tastes like? All right. What does pork taste like? If you're dying to have pork, so today we have bacon and bacon and shrimp and bacon and whatever. Today you can get anything, um, the taste of anything, but then they didn't have bacon. So they, it says, Mocha de Shibuta, the brain of the Shibuta fish. So I had oh, no idea. Fish. It's a fish. It's the brain of the Shibuta fish. It tastes exactly like pork. Um, so I actually I, did, I wanted to find out what the shibuta fish was when I was learning this last week. So I googled it. Is that it. a monk fish? Thank God for Google, um, for Rabbi Google. 
Um, it's, no, so I googled it. So the first article that came up, the only article that I found, it's actually an article in the LA Times. Um, you, can, you can you can Google it. Just what, what Shibuta fish. Google Shibuta fish. So, so the LA Times had an article about a. There's a meal that's done annually by. Uh, some two crazy guys live in Israel. They, they're very into this. It's called a Masora dinner, where they take very exotic Jewish kosher foods and serve it like giraffe, things that uh, grass, certain types of grasshopper. People don't, uh, not usually, are not available to the commercial market, and they serve it. So, uh, and it costs like $450 to go. Recently, there was one in Manhattan. Everyone got food poisoning at it. Um, but, but, the, but this one was in L.A. from 2000. You found it? Nice. Shibuta Fish, L.A. Times? No, I'm fine. It's... Uh, yeah, it says a chance, a chance to sample diversity of kosher foods, and then it talks about LA Times. Yeah, right, so more than 1,500 years ago, Jewish scholars wrote of the shibuta, unusual fish found the in the LA Tigris Times. and the Euphrates rivers of ancient Babylon. Blah blah blah. So it says how they got it. They found they weren't these guys went searching for it, in, and they found one in northern what Iraq, Turkey. The, 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 mount, the beginning of the Euphrates River, I think it says that's where they found. They were able to identify it, and found, they found one and they brought it to L.A., but they only had one fish, they're right there. So then they asked the lady, does it taste like pork? She said, I don't know, I've never had pork. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they interviewed some of the people there. Anyway, so, so, uh, so the, the point meal, is... The meal, by the way, lasts three and a half hours. Right, they describe everything. That's it wasn't only the shibuta fish, they had... The, the yak. Yeah, they had the different yak. Fish. So yeah, that has no other name than shibuta. I don't know. That's what it's called. Well, I have, it's, uh, <laughs> it's biological name. But so in any case, so she said, you want to taste pork, you get the shibuta fish. Um, girusa, some other prohibited bird. What is girusa? Um, it's it's uh, some prohibited exotic bird that oh. was very good. Um, so it says fish tongue. Yeah, fish tongue tastes like girusa. Aishasish, you want to you want to know what it is to have an and, adulterous fish? By the way, how did they know this when they wrote this down? Well, she she's stating this as well. Yalta. This woman, Yalta. Yalta's wife. And so she, how does she know? She had non-Jewish friends. They said, look, do me a favor, taste the shibuta fish. What does it taste? Oh, pork. Bacon. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so listen to this. Guys, guys, this is important stuff. Well, what century? need to get to Ashley Madison. Okay. What? what century? This is uh, Talmud. What, what century is the Talmud? No, it's got to be af between 200 and 800. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so she says, what if you want to experience adultery, the pleasure of adultery, what do you do? So today, thank God we have Ashley Madison. But in those days, Ashish, so I don't understand this, but it says, Grusha Bechayabala. You have relations with a divorcee while her husband is still alive. I'm not sure why that would exactly bring that same pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but if you want to get that feeling, so Ashish, you want to know what it is to, um, to have your. No, no, it, it is. You're, you're allowed. It's not, the woman is not the issue there, it's the guy. So the guy is still married, and the guy has sex with this woman, the divorcee. His own divorcee? No. No, 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 no. Another, another woman, woman who's a divorcee. Yeah. Right. So why is that? Oh, he's still married. He's still married. Right. That's right. the point. It doesn't say he's still married. That's no, the assumption. That. No. How do you? How else would you understand it to mean? How do you get the feeling of no, an, so an affair? Need a no, you can't have a relationship with a married woman. Have a single woman. Why does she have to be divorced? 
Uh, you could be single or married and have a relationship with a married woman. Come on. Guys. Well, let's just go. You cannot have a relationship. You can't have a relationship. A married with man. With a married woman. Right. Or right. a married man. But can I, can um, how, from a No, a married man can. From a halakhic point of view, can a married man have relations with a... With, with someone other than his wife. Yes, yes. If not according not to the Torah. Not so this is the point. So married man can't have relations with someone other than his wife. But the point is that it's as close as you're going to get because right. her husband is still alive That's and right. she's divorced. And I guess there's a woman who was taken already. Right. So okay, it's I don't, about I don't, let's as see. close. Absolutely. Now you want to you want to experience a relationship with, as we know, a brother's wife, sister-in-law is prohibited even after the death of a brother. Yeah. But so so um, but so. there's a yibum, there's a mitzvah of yibum in the Torah. So if you want to experience uh, the forbidden relations of Kill a brother's brother. wife, brother. then you can do yibum. <laughs> Kusis. Let's say you want to experience relations relations with a non-Jewish woman. Right, you fat Torah, so that's why he mentions this week's that parsha, parsha Kiseitze, which is the prohibition of you fat Torah, um, and and uh, the beautiful captive. Well, why can't you have relations with a kuthin if you're an unmarried man? Why can't you have relations? Jewish, because the Torah prohibits. There's something uh, about uh, yeah, the kuthin. Uh, so Jewish single Jewish man. Just a, it's, it's a censored word. No, it's censored. Uh, oh, what is it? You want to say no non-Jews, so that. So you can't have relations with a non-Jew, or Jew cannot. Yes. Jewish man cannot have relations with a non-Jew. Well, the pa- we'll talk about it after class. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're being taped. Love it. Depends huh? on the situation. There, there are. It's a complex no. question, but surely to marry a non-Jewish woman is a problem. What um, is it? What and is it's prohibited. A kuti. A kutite is just in the name of a tribe of living a, in Canaan. Of a, of a, of a, yeah, of a non-Jewish. Tribe. Jewish right, but it's just a censored word because the Talmud was extensively censored due to the fact they didn't want to offend. Um, people that could be people reading. Know, okay, other so people it's a non-Jewish female. It means a non-Jewish female, yes. Okay, right. okay now you want to taste meat and milk, that's what we said. Bean and the mecha bisra bechal. You want to taste meat and milk together. Um, so you, that's what you have. The kechal, you have the the udder. Okay, right. very beautiful gemara, very strange. The question, that, again, that was bothering me is why is this necessary? Why do we feel like we have to make allowances or give you the pleasure right. of uh, prohibited things. I grew up my whole life. I've never had shrimp, never had a cheeseburger. So far, never committed adultery. Um, you haven't eaten another on a spit? That also never not. Had never had yes. on a spit. No, and I have no... Uh, I'm fine, thank God. I'm surviving. I've never... Uh, people listen. Sometimes I make... Uh, people According are becoming to kosher. You, you're fine. Some, that's true. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes um, I do. People are going kosher. They tell me, I'm ready to go all the way, except shrimp. That's something I can never give up. That's one thing I'll never give up. My shrimp. Right. And then you know, and I say, okay, so fine. So I'll start. And then usually it's six, eight months later, they have given up the shrimp, and they're all still alive and well. They haven't. Uh, but clearly, come, some people need therapy. Them. Anyone came to therapy f- to you for? Or someone for who hasn't had shrimp. Or, yes. yeah, they give up shrimp and they I've eat lobster. Right. So, 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 what's the big thing? Why do? Why does she feel the need to find a a corresponding pleasure to all these prohibited pleasures? That's it's that's pretty funny. fascinating. Right. What's the point? I like. But now, if you impale another on the uh, spit, the milk is going to leak out. Probably. Well, she's so not her. She's the, saying God did this. 
She's yes, I understand, but the question is why? Why did God feel the need to do it, according to her? Because so we have a because that's ah, just ah, the so nature of the we beast. Need, uh, Muriel, thank you for coming today, because we're going to need your expertise here. So, so my oh, proposal, and I actually found it afterwards, um, similar, I tried to find explanations to, the, to this piece of Talmud, not many, um, but I found, I did find something, but who really seems to be agreeing with my theory. So my theory is like this, two things. The Gemara uh, says um, somewhere else, I didn't bring it here, which is that Mayim Genuvim Taku, the stolen waters are sweeter. Right? People uh, always want what's on, they always want what's on the other side, what they can't have. Forbidden fruit, fruit. exactly. See, by Adam and Eve, exactly, that's a very good point. Adam and Eve, there was 300 fruit trees, God said, just don't eat this one, you can have anything else. That's the best one, automatically. That's the only one they ate. Uh, That's the only one, but they had to have that one. Right, so as human beings, human nature, this is where I need your expertise, as human nature, when you tell your kid not to do something, or a wife tells her husband (coughs) not to do something, this increases the desire to do it. Is that, is that true in psychology? Well, in it, certainly, psychology? It, it, it certainly focuses a unique interest in the in forbidden, that, for, in the forbidden fruit. Right. Right. So, exactly. so, so I think that's the, also the obsession, as we saw. Ashley Madison, you have 31 million males. Well, actually, uh, well, 29 yeah, million males, one second, sh- who signed up for, for this website, right? Because there's... The fact that it's forbidden. And actually, I once, uh, I can't say this in public, but I'll say it anyway. I have a colleague, a rabbi, who who counseled many couples, adults who had fears. And he's counseled them, and he said, this is what he told me. Uh, he said in every single case that he's counseled, he didn't tell me a number, the, the woman who he had the affair with is uglier than the guy's wife. His wife? It was uglier than the guy's wife. At least in the in his opinion, okay. It's <laughs> pretty know. ugly to begin with. So, I don't, so, I don't right? know what that means, but okay. The point being is, so why is he chasing this other woman? No, so he has a beautiful wife. Why is he chasing? It's only because of one thing, because he wants to live. People want to, it's forbidden. You want to live life. Stolen waters are sweeter. You want to live life on the air. People, it's human nature to when you prohibit something to go ahead and try to circumvent that prohibition. That's human nature. If you go back to Adam and Eve, and you go back to the creation of man, man is made in God's image. God, by definition, has no checks and balances on his power. Whatever God wants to do, we can do. We are created in God's image. There's a part of us that wants absolutely no control over what we do, because we're godlike. This is a particular problem for doctors, psychologists. And uh, so to be told you can't have something gets to that part. It's a theological issue almost. Um, it's also a psychological. I mean, I'm it's also it's theological. It's, it's, I mean, if you're godlike, well, I mean, God. Well, that's maybe right. That's maybe why we have that desire. Okay, the yeah. Human nature is right. Yeah. But I, so I think the fact that she's saying that God acknowledges this is part of the deal. This is how you are created. And by definition, you do not want any controls over. You want to be like God. You want to have enormous power. And so any restriction on your power, which is what the Torah is all about, is not easy to accept. It's oh, just exactly. not our nature. So that, that's uh, 100%, yeah. Uh, interesting, if you, any of you watch Masters of Sex right now, they're, they're having exactly this issue about Masters and Johnson on Showtime. It's really very oh, good. Oh, no. It's really very good. Yeah. It deals a lot with this issue of... Um, okay, so... Anyway. so yeah, I'm not familiar with that show. Thank God. <laughs> um, but but uh, deals with this issue. The point is so. 
Oh, so it's Rashi. I think that clearly, by the way, here, by Yifat Torah, the Torah, the Talmud at least understands, and all the commentaries discussed that at great length. That the, as a matter of fact, Rashi says it. Let me see if I could read a few straight from Rashi. Rashi says, um, Look, Lo Dibra Torah, this is him quoting Rashi on this verse, Halisha, you shall take her for a wife, says Rashi. Quoting the Gemara and Kedushin, Lo Dibra Torah Ela Kineged Yetzahara. The Torah is speaking against um, your Yetzahara, your human desire. Shem Eina Kadosh Baruch Hu Matira, because if God would not permit for you to marry this woman, and like we asked originally, why didn't God just make a blanket prohibition? Don't touch her. Let her free. See a beautiful woman, you can't touch her. You have no right to marry her. Says Rashi, Shem Eina Kadosh Baruch Hu Matira. If God would not permit her, you send a bisser, then you're going to end up marrying her. Pro, in a prohibitive fashion, or you can end up raping her. Avil and Nisa, and Rashi goes on to say what we said, if you do end up marrying a sofa, Eliasona, the next thing is you're going to hate her, you're about divorce, and your kids will be, etc. But the point being is, the, all the commentary state in the Gemara, the Gemara says in condition that the Torah, God is the ultimate psychologist. I hate to burst your bubble, Miro. God, God is the ultimate psychologist. And God created psycho- the psychology of the human being. Therefore, God understood when you have a male soldier in wartime, who, like you said, is, a, is trained to be a killer and a, an animal, a fighting machine, which is what they do in the army, rightfully so. That's In order to kill, you have to be trained to, be, to have no mercy, to be an animal. When a, he sees a beautiful woman, his hormones are raging. It's not possible to, to suppress that guy and tell him, no, you can't touch this woman, it's over. You, need to, you have to make some allowances with an outlet where he says, okay, th- it's going to be permitted. In a month from now, I can touch her. That will maybe, hopefully, and that's the goal here, is to curtail his urges, that he'll now be able to, hold, to withhold and to fight his Yetzirah in order, because uh, he knows he has an allowance in a month from now. Once you make some form of allowance, so now it's not completely prohibited. It's not an untouchable thing. It's something that I can't attain to. I can't aspire. I can't get there. So there is, uh, there is you know, I can have the cookies. In an hour, you tell your kid, you can't touch the cookie jar, but in, in an hour, if, you're fi- if you don't fight with your sister, then you can have the cookie. Right? So now the kid has something. He can survive the hour. If you tell him he can never have the cookie, he's not going to be able to control himself. Right? So I, I think it's obviously a very simplistic analogy, but, but I think yeah. that's what's happening here. The Torah is telling you, the Torah understood that if we prohibit this woman completely, there's no way this, this guy, you can't tell that to a soldier in, during wartime. If you tell him in a month from now, you can have her. Okay, so then maybe I can hold it out. And then he has that month figure out, does he really want this? Is this a good thing? His passions die down. And I think that's the same thing we're having in this Gemara. Meaning, what she's saying is not that, listen, some of these things we can survive without. Maybe we can. But some people, if they know they can never taste this pleasure, they can never have this pleasure in their life, they might not be able to withstand that taste. If you have, you say, by the way, there is a permitted way to have that same taste. And then, you know, it's like when Dunkin' Donuts was, uh, was not kosher in New York, finally they went, one, two, brand, two places in New York went kosher, they were like lines <laughs> at the door, like literally you have to wait two hours to get your Dunkin' Donuts. After I had it, the first thing, you know, the people, you know, after so Pesach, <laughs> yeah, now I go back to New York, I would never touch Dunkin' Donuts, like who wants <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts? But once you know it's permitted, you know, it's not, uh, there's yeah, no desire. Bad. Oreos, I remember when Oreos went kosher, used oh, to have yeah. lard in them, people like were going nuts. Was stacking up like Bluebell yesterday. If you were in the store yesterday, people literally. I was in Randall's. Every person, it was like Lying. seven people in front of me. Everyone had a Bluebell with them. Mm. I, I, felt back yeah, I felt naked. I felt naked. I didn't have a This relates yeah. to Eliyahu. So but you hear the point. The point yeah. is the fact, yeah. and, and I want to get Muro's viewpoint on this also, which is once you make an allowance, so that 
allows you to suppress, not to suppress, sorry, that's not the wrong word, to, um, to channel, right, to express a you, desire in a, in a healthy fashion. In a pro-social way. Exactly. In an appropriate That's the words I was looking for. So, so we'll get, I want to talk more about that, but what were we just going to say? The last two weeks we dealt with a surgeon who must have a cigarette before he operates, and another surgeon who must sleep in his own bed before he operates. And Eliashev, as I understood his decision was, really, if you were a great surgeon, you could do without the cigarette and maybe without the sleep. Here they're saying if you're a great soldier, you wouldn't have the desire. No, so that's the key point. I want to address well, No, that's I wrong. Mean, that's sort of what they're no, saying. No, no, no. So the point is, and this is a key point that I missed that I want to get to, is Judaism is not about suppressing desires. Human nature is to be desired. That's what Torah says. V'chashakta, but it's normal. In other, words, other religions, specifically Catholicism, says desires are sinful. Desire itself is sinful, and therefore they say, listen, you, you shouldn't, really, sex is a sin. It's just, we, we make allowances. Some people can't survive without sex, so we, we let, let you get married. But the priest who's in the ideal world, you shouldn't have sex. That's the point. When you suppress human desire, it's going to pop up somewhere else. It's like a tire. You put the air in here, you're holding it down, it's going to pop up somewhere else in an unhealthy way. So that's why you have Catholic priests. They have a problem, because if you're suppressing their human desires, it's going to happen. They have to, it has to pop out somewhere else in an unhealthy way. So the point is, the Torah doesn't say, Torah's view is don't suppress, you, desire is human. And the Torah understands that here. That's exactly what it's saying. We understand the soldier and animal. You have to control it. Exactly. You have to channel your desires into the proper context, not suppress them. No. Suppressing is a dangerous thing. And as I want to hear Muriel's viewpoint on this. Just, Do you agree but, with... But where it's suppressing similar... Suppressing human desire is... A, where it's similar is saying, all right, so you desire, we have to control it. The first, best way to control it is... Let her go after a month. Not marry. That's what you're no, saying. So really we're still, not we're saying we're not happy her. about it. That's a separate issue. We can make allowances and still not listen. The mother's at the end gives the kid the ice cream. Says, okay, after now you get the ice cream. She's not happy with kids eating ice cream. She'd rather have them eating okay. asparagus or whatever, spinach. But the point is, that doesn't mean... That, 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 that's two separate issues. There's one is, is it a healthy thing? No, we're saying, you know, at the end of the day, marrying this woman is not healthy for your, for your Judaism, for your spirituality. But we understand it's human nature. We can't completely suppress but your desires. It's not better possible. Better that than rape. Right. Exactly. It's not possible. But yeah. that gives that 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 wait month gives you desire, thought, time to think you really want to do it. Now, just right. about sure I heard, heard this right. After a month, you have to marry her, buy her a diamond ring, uh, so a BMW, take on a cruise, and I'll yeah. go around, yeah. take her on the cruise, and everything. Yes. Which yeah. is something that may somewhat, which one may, more thing that may make someone say, wait, so I really want to do this. Right. You marry her and she buys you a diamond ring, <laughs> takes you on a cruise, there you go. and gives you a BMW, maybe, if you're lucky. So, so I want to get your take. Well, just uh, So this, I want to just show one more thing, because we're going to run out of time, and then I want to let Muriel maybe address it from, from the, I want to know if I'm on the right path. So by the, by the way, he says this, look, I found this, if you look at your bottom paragraph, this is, I finally found someone who talks about it, and he, this is the Mikhtar Meliyahu, his name was Eliyahu Dessler, he lived in England um, prior to the war and after the war, I think he was from Europe originally, he somehow got to England, and so he, he has a five-volume set called um, Letters, Mikhtar Meliyahu, Letters from Eliyahu. They published really his talks that he gave you with Ashkech and Yeshiva. Anyway, he addresses this actually in the context of Yom Kippur, of how to fight your Yetzirah. He's talking about how to um, uh, win your inner battles with your own uh, lusts. So he says, he says, Matsinu, is anyone interested? Yeah. Matsinu is a. Shea Shelley. 
says we find this concept many times in the Zohar. It's in the middle of, a, of a, an excerpt here. Vamar Zal and our sages of blessed memory said in Chulin Kuftes Amid Beis Chulin 109b, which is what I just read. Kol Madaslan Rachmana Sharon Anything the Torah prohibited, there's a proof, a corresponding permitted pleasure. Aslan Basar Bechulo, etc. The Lechari says Tzarich Levin What's the need? Why does the Talmud find the need? This woman Yalta to state to make the statement. So he goes on to say, because if, if it's very hard for you as a human being to, to go against your desires, to, to be able to withstand your desires and not fail in them, I want to be able to taste, to have a cheeseburger. I, want, I need my shrimp. And any other pleasure in the world. If you push the person aside and you tell them there's no possible way to do this to 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 derive this pleasure lito also time to taste that taste he that will only increase his stubbornness and his desire it is and, and his desire will increase He's saying by suppressing it by telling someone you can never have this you're, you're not going to gain anywhere he says it's just going to increase their stubbornness and desire that says, which you resist will persist. Exactly. Therefore, he says, that's why the Gemara in Chulun had to give us this list. Anything the Torah prohibits, you can find the same thing in a permitted, uh, with, in, with permission. That will calm down your, your stubbornness for this, uh, for this uh, prohibited desire. It's interesting, that's a woman, as a woman points that out, it's mostly she's describing men. You right. Know, so yes, uh, animals are a lot of blood, and they want to yes. have sex with them. It's a woman making this observation, not a man. Yes. Well, they always need to about a woman making observation about men. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, she doesn't say it specifically to men. No. Women, but, but the things women can also want a cheeseburger. Or, so that's what actually I want to point out. A fascinating thing is, is it is about, I think, about males in that sense. We have, as we know, you know, all the studies that come out every third year about it is, is do men think about sex every six seconds every 15 seconds I think that <laughs> the most is like every once every two minutes or, right so in in all the various studies so so as males there's no question we inherently God built us as in a sense we're lustful creatures um, I'm not saying women aren't in that sense but if you look at so a fascinating thing and I couldn't find it this morning I printed it out because um, I gave this class last Thursday to a different group um, the and maybe you could find it for us. So I just was googling about the numbers of Ashley Madison. Like I said, he said every single zip code in the United States had um, mm -hmm. except three. But it, there was a tech site. This was actually a woman, a techie, who broke down. She looked into all the the addresses that were released. She found so there was 31 million users that signed up in the world. Um, only five million were females. Okay, listen to these numbers. It's fascinating. I don't have it in front of me, but you can look it up. Five million females. She found out of those five million females, she she said she found thousands of them. She didn't give an exact number. Most of them, many of them, were actually fake addresses set up. She believes by the website Ashley Madison, because the problem is you have all these men signing up. There's no women to to talk to, because no women are signing up. So you can't. You need two to tango. So the website went ahead and made up uh, many fake addresses. How did she know? She said, first of all, out of the females, first this of all... This is for 
Ashley Madison. Oh, oh Ashley, Ashley Madison. Madison. Yeah, that was the top. That was today's top. So, so her. <coughs> if you look at her data, if you can find it there, I forgot. It's a tech, tech something. Um, so she says that first of all, out of all the something out of the third, the, the only. <coughs> I don't, I don't want to say the wrong number, but a very minute amount, even of those million women, women who sound up, um, responded to any, were real women, and then even out of those real ones, most majority of them did not respond. I mean, they never had any response. They signed up, they never corresponded. It says reporter Annalee Newitz of Gizmodo yeah. Yeah, analyzed that data and included there were virtually no real females actually in the service. <laughs> However, Ashley Madison fired back and said her analysis and assumptions were incorrect. Let it's quotes, a new thing. Last week alone, women sent more than 2.8 million messages within our platform. Furthermore, in the first half of this year, the ratio of male members who paid to communicate with women on our service versus the number of female members who actively use their account. Uh, women are not, by the way, pay, uh, have to pay to communicate with men. It was 1.2 to 1. This is 1.2 man for every oh, woman. So then now that's what Ashley Madison is saying. She doesn't say that. You have to find her that, uh, uh, yeah, who do we trust here. The point being is, my point is, first of all, it's, it's the, basically this site, the way, according to this data, if this data is true, was saying that there's, it's all men fantasizing. There's, there's no action. Nothing's happening. These men are signing up. And there's really no women there. So right. kids, it's all, How much the point is in their mind. It's all in these men's minds. They they want to live on the edge, exactly like we're saying. So this is an outlet for them to you know so flirt with this is with adultery. This is okay by Torah. So uh, I'm not saying that. Because it allows them to have an outlet. If they have to shut the tape recorder, maybe I can say that. But okay. the point is, what I'm saying is, is a certain sense there is. It's an outlet for these men. Maybe if the data is true and nothing, no action, nothing's really happening. It's just they're going on there and they're living on the edge. They like they want they so want to believe, you know, they're flirting with a married so woman. So but nothing's really happening, so maybe it actually is, might be a good outlet. I don't know. So, so like we're saying there's an allowance. Meaning, again, by the way, fantasy. I want to make clear in halacha is also prohibited. Um, the desire is what's is is what we're saying. Don't suppress. But fantasizing about prohibition is prohibited in halacha also for other reasons. So this is like having chopped. Ashley Madison is like having chopped liver. Women are faking it. How much, did they spend, how much did these idiots spend to be a member of this website? No idea. It's a very high grossing website, it says, by the way. I think it was 31 million. So I want to read you. Also, by the way, I've had psychologists tell me that when uh, men or women actually get involved in affairs, they're almost always depressed. Is that true? I, I don't know. I've actually never heard that. But what, what, what if it you is? Think it's I mean, it's, it, from my experience, so it's obviously I have a self-selecting population. Right. So they come to psychologists. You know, I mean, people don't usually come to me if they're not. So of depressed people who come, of people who come to psychologists because they've had an affair, they're depressed. Not necessarily the ones yeah. who don't come to yeah. they might be happy as hell. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I want to end up because we're point. out of time. So I just want to end off the, with another very important concept. We mean to prove my point that desire is not, is normal. That's a normal human behavior. And therefore the Torah understands that and the Torah doesn't tell you. Desire of that desire. which is forbidden is normal behavior, is what you're saying. Well, desire, sure, regular desires, all desire, I think, is normal human behavior. We're saying forbiddenness might increase the desire, mm -hmm. which, by the way, this leads into a whole different topic, which we're not going to talk about with the issue of homosexuality, meaning, again, Torah doesn't obligate you to suppress your desires as a homosexual. 
that's a whole, it's, it's just again, it had a channel. We'll talk about that's a whole different uh, class, obviously, I'm not going to go there. But I just want to read you, so the point is like this, it's another <laughs> fundamental concept in Judaism, which I'm sure we all know already, but worth mentioning again, the contrast with other religions. That's why we don't have a pope. We don't have, we don't believe our leaders are infallible. Rabbis have the same desires as anyone else. And they have the same tests. As a matter of fact, the Gemara says more that the higher spiritual level you are, the, the bigger your Yetzirah is because it has to count for every corresponding uh, Yetzirah Tov, meaning the level of spirituality, then there's going to be that same corresponding level of, of potential to do evil. So so fascinating Gemara I found. It's actually talking about the law of Yichud, you know, that's prohibited for to, to seclude yourself in a room with a member of the opposite sex because, <coughs> again, the Torah understands that you were human beings and therefore we have these desires. So, so Gemara brings an unbelievable story. It says, um, a series of episodes, but I'll just read you the first one. It says, Hanukshiv is Gemara in Kedushin. It says, Hanukshivut the Nardai. They brought certain captured enemy women um, from the enemy to Nardai, which is a city in Babylonia. Amram Chasida. Um, they they placed them, they figured, where are these women safe? Beautiful captive women. They put them in the rabbi's house, in the attic of the rabbi. <laughs> okay, they put it in Amram Chasida. I don't know it's his name. His name was Chasida, a pious person. He obviously was a pretty pious guy. Ishkalu Dagam Kamayu. And they, so they put him up in the attic and they removed in the dungeon and they removed the ladder from, from the attic. They put it, they took it out of the house so this way they can't escape <coughs> and go up to bother them. Bahalid the Kachofa it says what happened was there was a hatch. As one of the redeemed women passed by the hatch, that was the passageway um, between the two floors, Nafal Nahorobe Pume, a light shone into the house through the hatch. So it happened to be a light shone up. Shakli Rav Amram Ladarga, it says Rav Amram was so enthralled by her beauty. Okay, this is this big rabbi. This is the Gemara saying, telling the story. He took a ladder. He says he took a ladder to Lohavi Yachlum Be'asar Lamadli that ten people couldn't lift. Okay, normally, like we talking about in times of crisis, what the person can do. Right, this is a ladder. It says, ten people couldn't lift this ladder. He went and got this ladder. The rabbi himself, little puny rabbi. Salik Vazil, and he proceeded to ascend the ladder to proposition the woman. Kimata lefalga darga, when he reached the middle of the ladder, it says, ifchish, um, he spread apart his feet to steady himself when he got to, to the top of the ladder. Rama, and then I guess he had a second to realize what he was doing. So it says, Rama Kala no Rabbi Amram. He, st- he started shouting, Fire in the house of Rabbi Amram. Rabbi Amram started shouting, Fire in the house of Rabbi Amram. So Asra Abundant says, All the rabbis came running, what's going on? And they see the rabbi on top of the ladder, <laughs> you know, going into the, with Samalei Bisfitasen. There's no fire here, what's going on? You, you put us to shame, you're embarrassing. Well, there is a fire, but. Samalei, <laughs> <laughs> so he replied to them, he says, Mutav. He's, so he's saying, you're embarrassing us. Well, you, we have to see the rabbi in a state like this. So Amar Lehi, he said to them, Mutav tichsu be'amram ba'almadein. Better you be ashamed in the house of Amram in this world. Velo tichsu minei la'almadasi. You not be ashamed of knowing Rabbi Amram in the world to come. Okay, so, uh, so that's the story. It brings many, many such stories. He's telling them, listen, you're right. I had to shame myself in order for me to stop it. But if I would have continued and done the act, in the and next I, world, you would have been embarrassed to know me because I committed this, this sin. That's what he's saying. So it's better right. I shame myself in this world. The point was that he got control at the last second of his Yetzirah. He was able to stop the act. But, but he but couldn't come down the ladder by himself. He had to scream right, fire. Exactly. That was the only way. He knew if he wouldn't have screamed fire at that point, he would he have ended up going up. It's like a mooser moment. Yes, exactly. So, but the point that I'm bringing from here is that even the great... The, the, and I think the is also <laughs> pointing this out. That even the greatest rabbis of the Talmud have desires. Desire is, is normal human nature. 
The question is what you do with that desire, how you control it, and how you channel. But desire is not something we don't suppress our desires, we channel them. Thank you.